0: Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review. And as always, thank you to our listeners across America and around the world. Now, somewhere along the way, many of us have been invited to restaurant openings, wine tastings, special elegant dinners, and other related events. Now, these and other such platinum occasions are designed and promoted by today's guest, Jamie Estes, who is joining us today from Louisville, Kentucky. Now, Jamie is president of Estes Public Relations with offices in Louisville, Charleston, South Carolina, and Chicago, and with clients in more than 14 markets. Estes Public Relations is an established name in culinary, beverage, hospitality, and lifestyle publications, uh, public relations. And along the way, Jamie has managed more than 50 chef appearances at James Beard Foundation events and more than 15 James Beard winners, finalists, and semifinalists. Now, she has also opened 90 restaurants and launched dozens of products nationally. Prior to opening her own firm, Jamie created and managed FSA Public Relations for 10 years, which included working with renowned chefs Emeril Lagasse, Julia Childs, and Jacques Pepin, as well as the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Magnolias in Charleston, South Carolina, and the Cadoba Mexican Chain. Oh, by the way, Jamie has earned certification by the Count of Master Sommelier. So, Jamie, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Peter. I'm excited to talk to you today.
0: Well, look, let's get started by, let me ask you, how did you get started in this particular, uh, the culinary beverage section of public relations?
1: Sure. I was working for the city of Louisville in tourism PR, and I met two gentlemen who were uh, managing professional associations, just like you and I might join PRSA, Public Relations Society of America. These gentlemen ran eight international food and beverage associations, including the Julia Child Cook. Bookwards and American Institute for Wine and Food, they decided they wanted to um, kind of have a PR company in addition, and so they brought me in to start that for them And um, for 10 years, and that was right when American Cuisine was really sort of taking off, and of course I'm a 20-something, I had no idea, you know, kind of what was going on. On a, you know, when I first got into it, I was like, you know, this is great. I get to like, you know, eat and drink and work with these fantastic <laughs> chefs and restaurants. But I had no idea the significance of what was going on in, you know, in the United States as it, you know, relates to American cuisine really being taken seriously, you know, um, as a as a cuisine.
0: Hmm. Well. Uh, th- once you got into that, how did you manage to, uh, let's say, get involved with the restaurants and decide how to best promote them, particularly when they're about to open or launch a new restaurant?
1: Well, I think a restaurant opening and launching a product, you know, it's 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 like any new thing. You know, you look at you know what's needed, you look at the timing, and and if you know if you have your basic principles of, you know, media deadlines, who covers it. You know, how can you tie it into current events? I mean, it, it it's kind of a, it's a plan that we use. And so, um, again, you know, attracting restaurants, that was at a time where restaurant PR was fairly new. Restaurants knew that they needed help, but it was more about national recognition than butts and seats as it is today. I mean, there's been a real shift since 2009 on when clients hire us, you know. And back then they wanted national recognition. They're in, you know, secondary cities like, Louisville or um, uh, Cincinnati or even Charleston back then, they wanted, you know, a national, uh, national presence and and so they would hire us to help them achieve that.
0: You know, it's interesting that you said that, as I said, I'm from Washington, D.C. Now one of the top-notch restaurants, at least uh, I'm not sure how far their fame goes, uh, is is outside of Washington you probably probably takes you 45 minutes or so to get there. The, I think it's called the end at Little Washington. Uh, it
1: at, is it, Patrick O'Connell yes uh, out of this place.
0: Uh, been down there and probably at best I don't know whole 75 80 maybe 100 and some odd people or something but uh, <laughs> you have to schedule months in advance to be able to get in.
1: Yes, he and he he along with like in your area Marcel Desnoyers who was in uh, Williamsburg and then my client Bob Kincaid. I don't know if you've ever um, dined at Kincaid's um, in D.C. But those are three of the pioneers that kind of helped in the beginning in the '80s getting this, you know, American cuisine kind of, you know, becoming a, a national um, respected internationally. You know, prior to that in the '70s it was French cuisine. French cuisine, you know, and then we realize our chefs, you know, are on the same level as you know the chefs of, of France. So mm-hmm. I think all that was starting in the '80s. The,
0: then, how do you help them make the decision between, let's say, maybe hiring an advertising agency versus a PR firm to 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 raise their visibility?
1: I think. Yeah. I use the analogy, you know, you're reading, you know, your your daily newspaper and you see an article on a new restaurant versus an ad on a restaurant, which makes you want to go eat the food, you know. And, and again, it goes back to third-party endorsements, or we call it earned media. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in our industry, we say that earned media, you know, is anywhere between four to five times um, more valuable, you know than advertising i think it all works together and i i tell my clients that pr should be one part of your integrated marketing strategy i'm you know i'm not against advertising at all but most of my clients are small and they don't have the, you know massive budgets to put behind advertising to make an impact i mean there's a lot of noise out there between you know um you know, look at your inbox, all the newsletters that you're getting, you know, all the media, all the opportunities, everything you're reading online. There's a lot of information coming to us, and I do think earned media is something that stands out a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, again, it's all integrated, but I, that's kind of one of the, the things that I sell because that question um, I get asked a lot. Well, you know, I'm thinking about putting my money in advertising instead of PR. Why should we do PR? And, again, it's that third-party endorsement. Someone else is telling – you you know telling the consumer that you're great you don't you're not doing it with paid advertising Mm
0: -hmm. well i I certainly support that idea because that is actually one of the ways that i make decisions about what does someone else who's not connected to the organization have to say about what it is you are doing or what it is you you have
1: yes i mean when you're looking at buying a, a car if you see you know consumer reports doing a review on the new, you know, um, you know, sport utility—how safe it is, how you know, economical it is—versus an ad that the dealership puts out, which is going to drive you more to buy that mm-hmm. car.
0: Well, I guess it's similar to most of us when, when we're buying something online. We we want to go to the reviews first. I want to see what those reviews say.
1: Right, <laughs> um, and I think our new, our next generation of consumers, especially. They're very much into research, you know. Online makes it. There's so much out there now. You know, they can look up endorsements and reviews and articles about what they want to do versus, you know, just flipping through ads. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, now you've also launched a various a wide range of products and different brands. How do you go about launching those? What strategies do you use to launch some of these products?
1: Well, we you know we look at. Who is the user? Who is going to be going to the restaurant or purchasing the product or drinking the spirit? And we start with that because then from there we go into, well, okay, what outlets does does our, you know, target demographic read or watch? Um, So we kind of, that's kind of a strategy for doing it. We try to also tie in with current events. I mean, media, they're always covering, there's certain things media always has to cover, you know, thanksgiving you know they're always doing grilling in the summer so we look for opportunities with our clients to kind of marry with the needs of the media Mm -hmm. um you know in 2009 you know i think that was when the really big shift that i saw our industry changed you know more than 100 magazines closed i mean i was actually in the offices of gourmet magazine in new york the day that they closed their doors um and you know uh southern accents uh Cottage Living, just numerous uh, publications closed. I mean, I was on the, actually, I was on the phone also with the editor of Delta Sky Magazine. I called him up to pitch him on something. He's like, this is my last day. He'd been there for 15 years. So what we're seeing is all these publications are closing. And then what's left is the staff is trying to cover, you know, the same material with, you know, a third of the staff. You know, you're seeing it in newspapers, newspapers, newspapers you know, they're gutting them, they're hubbing now. So one person may be writing for 10 different newspapers. And so I think, you know, PR has become more valuable in a certain way that the editors, you know, if they can find a source they trust, they're going to come to us. And we're a one-stop shop. I mean, you can come to us and, you know, get three to five stories because we're in so many different cities. But Mm -hmm. I think that's one big change I've seen and you know, But you have to keep up with who is doing what. And because there's so many freelancers now, that's the other big change. You really have to keep on top of who's covering what. Because the worst thing that can happen is pitch someone and they don't write about your client. I mean, you know, so you Mm -hmm. want to know what you're pitching. You want to know this person covers spirits. You know, this person likes, you know, likes bourbon. You know, they don't like vodka. Well, you don't want to pitch them on vodka or this TV show, you know, producer, um, you know, they don't cover cocktails at all, so don't worry about pitching them on cocktails, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think it makes, it makes the PR professional have to do a, um, more homework, but that's a good thing.
0: You know, just as an aside, I, I just happened to, a couple of years ago, I was uh, flying uh, Southwest and that magazine they have, they, they had a piece in there about Charleston, South Carolina. And I read about one of the restaurants in there that had a combination of a, a coconut martini and coconut cake. Uh, that actually made me uh, t- take a weekend trip to, uh, to uh, uh, Charleston because they have got some spectacularly good restaurants. And I think one of them is Magnolia's, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Right, magnolias. I worked with them uh, many years ago. There's some fantastic um, restaurants in Charleston. I'd like to know the one you're talking about, though, because I love coconut, and I'm we have an office there, so I'm down there about once a month.
0: I think the uh, uh, the coconut martini and cake was a hotel. Is it one of the plantations or something like that? Not too far from the little Market Street or, or whatever. Down oh there. yeah, okay, Charleston mm-hmm. Place probably. Right. <clears throat> that that was it
1: they do have a fabulous coconut cake there Mm -hmm. Uh, yes so yeah that's not too far from my office okay
0: Okay. look one of the other things you briefly touched on was adult beverages talk a bit about that because we are beginning to see a bit more uh, in terms of exposure of adult beverages uh, particularly on television
1: it's a really exciting time to be in the beverage industry because the consumers I think the consumers are more curious, they're more sophisticated, they're more well-traveled, so they're more open, I think, to trying different things. If you think about, you know, 20 years ago, you probably had wine, you know, you might have had a cocktail before dinner, but you never had cocktails with dinner. I mean, that was kind of like, that was kind of, why would you do that? But now, distilleries have discovered that you know, certain foods go really well with certain you know spirits. I mean, you know, I've I've worked, I've um, had a client that they did a flavor wheel where you know they discovered that Parmesan cheese went really well with their bourbon, or you know, this type of chocolate you know went well with bourbon. Chocolate and bourbon—that's a great pairing. Just like I like red wine and chocolate together. But people now are drinking cocktails throughout th- their meal or their event, not just as a starter. Um, and they're being more curious. I mean, they're, they're trusting bartenders, and bartenders to me now are, are like chefs. I mean, they're experimenting with, you know, ingredients in the kitchen. They're making their own bitters. They're making their own syrups and shrubs. I mean, um, it's just a fun and exciting time to be in the spirits industry.
0: You know, the other thing I've also noticed, too, is that now, particularly the spirits, they have more women uh, in them as compared to just it being a male drink.
1: Yes, and I think I think we work with several females in the industry, but um, I've also seen a big shift in in companies realizing that females do consume spirits, and specifically bourbon. Um, I've worked with distilleries for a long, long time, and you know, again, 15 years, even 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, it was like, well, yeah, women drink spirits, but they don't drink. A lot of spirits, you know, we still, men are still, you know, our primary focus. That has totally changed. Um, you know, uh, women now drink spirits. You know, they may only drink spirits. I mean, I've been a, a, a bourbon girl since I was of legal age. But, you know, I think the, the companies are recognizing that women consumers do, you know, do like spirits and they are marketing to them as well um there's an organization called bourbon women started by a woman named peggy stevens um i was fortunate enough to be on her her board and now we we work with her helping her with pr but i mean that was seven years ago but you know she realized and she she came from Woodford reserve she realized that women liked bourbon and she started this organization i think there's like nine chapters now throughout the country Um, There's one even in Canada. And so these women get together and, and, you know, kind of celebrate bourbon. is educational, it's networking, and it's growing um, nationally. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, sort of getting back to restaurants, one of the – I'm not sure whether we'll have listeners who uh, either have a restaurant or intend to open a restaurant – but what sort of tips, if you will, would you give them for beginning to open or launch their restaurant to gain some exposure?
1: Sure. I think the first thing um, would be, you know, to, to start as far out as possible. I mean, you know, six months out, you know you're opening that restaurant. Let your local media know about it. I mean, even if just we're talking local level, you're not worried about national. You just want to let your local community know Reach out to your local media. Let them know what you're doing. I mean, also, you're going to get some pre-coverage that way. And then a month out, you know, when you know your opening day, a lot of restaurants don't know their opening date and literally until the week they're opening. Sometimes the day they're opening. I mean, I've been in restaurants before. We're opening that night, and they're still scaffolding up. So, um, you know, but keep the media apprised. Now with social media, you can do that much, you know, it's much easier to keep the media informed about what you're doing by posting photos online. Let let your, you know, neighborhoods and your community um, see the progress, you know. If you get some really cool chairs in, take a photo of it, put it up there, get build the excitement. And with social media, that's a really easy, affordable way to do it. Just start putting really cool things. You get, you know, you're working on your menu and you see you're going to have these great, um, you know, you're going to have a great, you uh, piece of fish. Well, you know, take a photo of the fish. I mean, just kind of get get the group excited. And then do your research. You know, you probably know who's covering what, but just make sure that you do. Do your, you know, do your um, local affiliates have, you know, cooking shows? Some do, some don't. You know, make sure you know who the food editors are. Make sure you know who the bloggers are, who the restaurant critics are. And so, again, keeping them informed, know, knowing who that is, that may sound simple, but, you know, I, I have reporter friends who will say, yeah, I got a, you know, a notice about a restaurant and, you know, I'm not even covering food. So, you know, time is limited. Your resources are limited. Make sure you, you know who you're covering and keep them, you know, appraised. Invite them to a soft opening. Invite them in to try it um, because that's the best way. You know, that's the best way to market what you're doing is to get people to try your food. If you've got a good food, food product, a good restaurant, a good beverage, getting people to try it, that is the number one thing to do, and do you know, go out there the first year, build in um, tasting events. It's great to give back to the community, but build in you know in your marketing budget, build in um, time and resources to go out there and let people try your food. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's it's helping you know raise funds for your favorite charities. It's a win-win.
0: You know, so these are some outstanding ideas, and I think as I listen to you, maybe you should also give some additional tips. To those who might be uh, or have a restaurant already, you know what they should look for if they want to hire a PR firm to help promote their restaurant or beverage.
1: Sure. Well, I think the number one thing, if if a PR firm tells you, I, I guarantee you something, then walk away because you, there's no guarantees. You know, it's, it's close. I mean, I've built my company on relationships, media, and we have great relationships with the media. But I would never ever. Promise an article um, ever because you just can't control it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that's that's one kind of red flag to look out for. But check their references. Look at what they're doing. And, you know, ask for samples of their work. We we're very transparent in what we do. Or, you know, we have a sampling of our clients online. We put examples of our work online. We um, put examples of our work on our social media. So you know, do some due diligence there. Um, and you know, ask ask questions like. Ask them how they would do it. I mean, PR firms are not going to give you a plan before they hire you, um, but, you know, ask ask ideas. You know, what would you do about this situation? Um, and, and, again, check references.
0: Well, Jamie, you have uh, provided us a lot of information in a short period of time. So do you have any sort of closing remarks you would like to uh, impart uh, to the listeners?
1: Um, I think, again, just, you know, read and read, read the outlets, watch, watch TV, make sure you put things on social media. Um, Again, that's a very uh, effective uh, form of of marketing, you know, and social media should be included with your PR plan. You know, I don't think one can stand alone without the other, but together, I don't think, you know, I think it's dynamite. I think, you know, having a social media plan um, weaved in with your PR is the best way to go.
0: Well, Jamie, thank you so very much. Uh, My guest today has been Jamie Estes, uh, president of Estes Public Relations. And once again, Jamie, thank you so very, very much for joining us. And to our listeners, uh, please share this information with uh, your uh, colleagues. And don't forget to listen to the very next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us.